this question. <laughs> the moment I'm aware of the thoughts in the mind, they disappear. Is sati coming from the mind as, as everything? And so thoughts disappear, but the, uh, the residue is, is, a, is a kind of mood, or what they call the aramana, or arom in Thai. So that they, like, like, like whatever mood you're in, if you're in, like, if, if you, if you're in an angry mood, then you tend to have angry thoughts, or if you're in a happy mood, then you have happy thoughts, uh, and this, therefore the, the thoughts are really because thinking is such a rapid process, uh, unless you deliberately think, but uh, and then you can kind of, know, see that that thinking is. You know, like I use that, I am a human being. I suggest to listen to your own self-thinking. But the, um, say the, note the mood of the mind that the thoughts are coming from. So that it's uh, like in the four foundations of mindfulness, the third foundation, jitanupasana, saripatana, is... uh, is to see the the jitta or the uh, that's uh, the the state of mind, the mental. So that if it's and uh, you can see if you if you, there's like it's negative, like if you, you know you can see when when you're in a negative mood, then sometimes you're not even aware that the the mood of the mind is negative. So, but you find yourself feeling grumpy or complaining about anything. You know, and that's coming from from that that uh, mood, or uh, you hear bad news or something, some some threatening thing, and you can feel it, and the the thoughts can be, you know, move very quickly, but the the mood is uh, it lingers on, and so you go to the mood more. Try to note that, and. So sati is is being able to to use like with sati you're 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 um, you're noticing that you say what is what is the mood of the mind mm. and so you you're kind of contemplating it and you're bringing into you know the the factors that will that will help you to look and see the to be aware of the uh, of the the mental state you're in as an object without judging is merely to to notice it so when the mind is aware of the thoughts i cannot avoid starting to judge i feel as if i cannot really step back and observe from where the mind is 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 doing what the mind is doing so that's why they use the the mood more like is it in the scriptures they say, is, the, is it flexible or rigid, or do you feel stressed and tense, or do you feel relaxed? Is, the, is your mind, is your mental state now relaxed and open, or is it fixed and rigid? Is it? Do you feel? Uh, is it happy or is it depressed? Or just to note. And then by doing that, you can 
you can you and through patiently accepting the mood for what it is, not trying to get rid of it or change it. But it's uh, it's nonverbal then. It's more you use you use words mainly to to keep attention on the mood. Then it then it will uh, when it because it's impermanent it ceases. And that's a way to to release or relinquish or to resolve emotions, emotional states. Very skillful, like standing under them, <coughs> feeling them. Like There's this kind of frightened mood in you, and it feels this way, like like when I. When, you know, when you're kind of dreading something, you feel a certain thing here. Uh, and you begin to notice these, these feelings, these moods of the mind. So, feel, um, Vedana, Vedananupatsana is more <coughs> on the level of attraction, repulsion, and neutral. Where Jitanupatsana is more on the level of the mental state of the mind itself. Nindamanupasana, uh, the Dhamma, is, is using the Dhamma, using the Dhamma as a way of seeing the Four Noble Truths and the dependent origination. It is not the same with material objects or the moon's blood. Therefore, I cannot be aware from outside. Is sati equal awareness, mindfulness, attention? Sense consciousness equals consciousness equals mind. Well, sense consciousness is consciousness through the senses and then the, then the, the, the mind consciousness is like you can be aware of the senses. I mean, this is just to say what you can be aware of sight. Of seeing and and uh, hearing things, and then you can then you can be aware of the, where the mind, that the point that you can't get beyond, there's awareness, the island that you cannot, which you cannot go beyond. And so, like you, it's this the, the, they call the still point or the the uh, what is it the the point that that uh, that is everywhere. That's why reflect on on uh, like each one of us is the center of the universe. Where is the center of the universe? Practically speaking, each one of us is the center. Because in in uh, because you're the center of your life. You're the you're the you're the Axis Mundi, you're the Bodhi tree, you're the cross, there's all these symbols of the, of the, where, where you as an individual uh, are, you know, what, what uh, in a practically, practical way of speaking, and not as a megalomaniac <laughs> statement, but as, a <laughs> but as just a practical reflection on the way it is. Each one of us is the center, you know, and that still point as we go to that stillness within, then that's everywhere. So then the 
that's non-personal is not it's 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 th- those kind of the conditions no longer are the issue there so it's not that's it, where to interpret it as mine and me and I have attained it this tends to be you know very misleading and and deluding way to talk about it so in the buddha was was, was forbade that kind of speech around it you know to claim i am enlightened and i am because it that whole thing is is uh it, one thing it tends to sound like you're crazy and then and then it uh and then most people don't even if it's true nobody really knows what you're talking about they have all kinds of weird ideas about what it is and and then uh for yourself it's not it's not really the way it is i mean it may be due to poverty of language and limitation of language but then we're using dhamma now as a way of expression dhamma terms that's why in dhammanupassana saribhatana you're learning to use the the dhamma language which is uh skillful use of of words and and ways of looking at things that in from universal positions rather than from personal interpretations Uh, recognize the uh, underlying aversion to it and, and desire to get rid of it because that's a whipper would done her and uh, also to 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 accept it like I find one it develop one's developing patience because there's oftentimes a you know, one wants to get rid of it. And, uh, and also to, as you concentrate more, then, um, you know, and, and the, the attitude is, is not coming, not of aversion, but acceptance and and patience with it. And then you're also generating more energy. So after a while, the, the thing seems to dissolve generate the energy. What I think of is the seven factors of enlightenment and uh, full attention is sort of balanced off by the energy. But it tends to be a bit forced and it doesn't feel like. So I can sit through a session 
Eskimos is not like Sapiao or whatever it is. Happened for us with Wotaz, but it's been sustained only with Kosovo. Uh, it's sort of not very skillful, doesn't feel very skillful. And I've succeeded the objective <laughs> of not boiling. Conquering. But, <laughs> 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 but it's, 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 it's not the. It's only sort of half of something like that. But keep. Keep working with it, and you because it's a it's a patience so that dullness uh, and torpidness is uh, to be patient, and, and also to uh, sometimes we we don't like it. We don't like that mental state. There's a strong aversion, and and uh, we try to you know get rid of it. Like the, like the, uh, like what is that 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 cartoon about the road runner? You know that that what is it that fox that's always trying to to catch the road runner, thinking up great, incredible plots to kill this this bird, to get hold of this bird, and you know. It ends up kind of destroying himself. (laughs) 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 Also, uh, also, (laughs) go ahead. Yesterday, one of the meanings of mindfulness that we read out was peeling away the layers of ego. Um, I find this very, very central to your practice. Um, I remember once listening to a Deva, uh, Desanaya monk said, every time the thought, I, me, or mine, arises in the mind, your, your samsara is prolonged. Could <laughs> 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 um, you tell us a bit about directing one's practice towards uh, one way I usually find it very helpful is when I'm angry or the irritation get behind me, I can say and think, what's the matter now? This I, I have been hurt. And you think of it like that, it's fine. <laughs> it's all important, I you know, have been hurt. Right, well, like... Mindfulness, like, is sati, is your, you can, through, through awareness of the ego, it, you're resolving it. You see, the ego has a, is a, is a habit of the mind. And, uh, and so it, it uh, and we easily are, are affected by that. You know, it tends to be the real world to most people, their egos. But then there's that which is aware of the ego, awareness of it. So as you're aware of, of the ego as the ego, then it, it, it loses its, you're not acting on it, you're, you're letting it go. But uh, when you're heedless, then you're, you, it's, your reactions tend to be from the ego or from instinct and things like this. There's a difference between instinct and, and ego and, and the... Uh, just the, the subjective experience of life, you know, you are the 
center of the universe and the one that experiencing life. Uh, so sometimes we we tend to not realize that where mindfulness is is bringing us bringing into consciousness the way things are. So when I say you are the center of the universe, it's not an egotistical center, but it is more or less a, a mindful reflection for you to that might help you to 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 look at the, what, the way things are. So that, that you know, you're going to feel, like if somebody insults you, somebody calls you a bad name, you feel it. You know, you're not insensitive to, to, to things. I mean, if somebody, you know, calls you a, a terrible name, you feel it. You, you hear it and you feel that. And then you can, then the ego will, will, will take over and say, how dare you call me such a thing, and you get into a real state. Or, uh, as you're more mindful, you can, you can stop the mind from, from the ego, to egotistical reaction to that. But at first, we more or less, the, the ego is so strong, we, we tend to have to allow it, we, we tend to get caught in it first. But there's that point suddenly where we catch ourselves, you know, where I'm feeling really angry and upset and and offended by what somebody said, and uh, and then then suddenly there's awareness that I'm doing this. Well, that's the beginning, you know, you, you know, you then then the idea of letting go of that, and eventually, the more mindful you become, then more mindful you are, then. The, you're aware of the actual when say somebody says something bad about you, and, and then you you feel it, but you you're you're not you're not going to get caught into an, uh, the ego. No longer has the has such power to take you over for any length of time. Then that is like the third noble truth, the the realization of non-attachment, nibbana, where there's niroda. So that you're, you know, you're, you're feeling, you're, you're, you're sensitive to, to what's coming at you, what you're hearing, what you're seeing, and so forth. But you're, you're seeing it in the right way, and then your responses are, are through uh, understanding rather than through fear, a greed, hatred, and delusion. To become somebody, you have to think. Like in there's just awareness. There's no, it's not anybody. So like when there's just awareness of the breath, you're not anybody. Or you're aware of, of the, of, 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 of the, of the lily or whatever. There's, you're not anybody till you start thinking, I am, this is my lily or I am, uh, I am comes into it, me and mine. Then you become, because then maybe you know you you start wanting to hold on or grasp or criticize or whatever. But the actual conscious experience—that's what like like uh, the, that uh, the sense of the self it comes later. I mean, you're not—you uh, have to think to become somebody. And this to contemplate this. 
Well, like the 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 there's in the Paticca Samuppada, there's a Vedana, Dana Upatana, that sequence. Vedana is is a result of birth. I mean, we we've got Vedana, uh, Pasa or impingement, things that touch the senses and the mind. Um, so that there's this natural feeling, attraction, repulsion. But as 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 even like the Arhat is is cuts it at pasa or contact. But uh, and then Vedana we're more moving into a sense of of being attracted, repelled, or neutral. And then dunha, the desire, if it's attractive, we 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 create a desire to have it. It's uh, if it's repulsive, then we desire to get rid of it. And then the ubadan, then the grasping. So, so like in in uh, contemplating the dependent origination, you, you take like like you really investigate dunha and ubadana. Like I used to really, you know, I think well, I'm, I've got to understand what desire is. So I really, you know, I take things like like uh, sweets and just and really eat them and taste them and. And, and really feel the sweetness of sweets, and and I could see, you know, how just the, that that sense of of sweetness creates this desire to have more. I can I you know, investigate desire rather than just you know take a stand against it. Or I uh, I had a lot of vipawadanha uh, desire to get rid of things and. Um, which has a self-righteousness about it. Seems right to want to get rid of anger and evil thoughts, bad thoughts. Seems right, you know, to, that you should have these things. You should get rid of them. It's right to want to get rid of them, destroy them. So, so Vipawadana oftentimes is this awful self-righteousness that you find in religious people. You know, they, they, where they they come from a very you know they're right in a way, but it's but it's it's through heedlessness that they're they're not it's not through through it's not through some right understanding it's merely a, through some kind of of uh, attachment to some righteous position. Like the holier than thou, or you know, wanting to to persecute or kill off the sinners or the heretics, uh, you can see it. You know, like the Ayatollah was the you know kind of the extreme example of of uh, righteousness carried through you know through uh, through hating, uh, say Salman Rushdie. Wanting to, wanting to kill Salman Rushdie, have him assassinated. That's Wipawadana, that's not holy, <laughs> holy act. <laughs> you yourself said that because you live the holy life and study, but you, you have to guard, guard from it yourself, that's not in paradise. Yeah, so I mean, because it is, you, you know, you, you can. You're, you're dealing with, with the holy life, you're dealing with, with morality and discipline, and all these things can make you very 
at a holier than thou. You know, and you're celibate, you know, and you're you're living on a high standard of of moral uh, morality and restraint. You can, if you're not aware of the me and mine in the attachment, then you can become a you know a, a snob or a supercilious twit. <laughs> <laughs> Because you're, you know, you there is a in one way you are you're, you're, you know, you're living this very disciplined, renunciate life. It is admirable, and it's, but it's the attachment to it and the self that comes through that attachment, the dhanha ubadana bawa. You become, you become somebody who's better than somebody else, and that that whole process, and that takes you to grief, sorrow, despair, and anguish. Because there's no point of the discipline, and that is not to become somebody who's better than the rest, but to help you to see your defilements and to be able to let go of your pride, conceit. <laughs> but like anything, you can, you can use it to, to build a, a more of an ego if, if you're not mindful, if you're not really practicing with the Buddha's teachings and then attachment to to uh, being celibate or not having money or renunciation of things or you know it all one becomes uh, somebody who who's holier than the rest <laughs> <laughs> And that's an ego, isn't it? It's not. There's no, there's no mindfulness there. That's merely a, the becoming process. So that's why people that are attached to the idea of being good are oftentimes, you know, arrogant or insensitive or or uh, snobbish. Look down on the rest. Like in, you know, in the. In the Christian examples of the Pharisees and you know the ones who keep all the rules, the Jewish discipline, look down on the you know the people that don't. You know we're we're much more pure than they are. And then the Brahmin religion, you know, the the sense of being born into this caste makes you superior to to others is. Uh, is the same problem, you know, attachment to rites and rituals or social position or status. It's attachment that's a problem. None of these are problem in themselves. Like hierarchical structures, being the king or being the president or being the slave or or being in you know whatever position you're in, these are not, not obstacles to enlightenment. The obstacles are always attachment to anything. So I mean the the uh, this is what 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 uh, we need to keep re- re- recollecting. Because mm-hmm. in anything, like one can be proud that one is not proud. <laughs> <laughs> 
Energy, the, the whole, this is in, this is the energy realm we're in. I think it's power. Everything is powerful. Like, and so that there's, there's a, um, the ego, when it grasps it, you know, then it, then it uses its power to, to destroy or to control or manipulate. And that's like tyranny. But in when we when we put ourselves in harmony with the flow of things, then the power is a natural flow of and the and the powers then are coming through the the purity of the mind rather than through the distortions of it, like you, you know you you're like you're making yourself into a vehicle, a pure vehicle or a channel for power, so that the the Buddha like was instead of of uh, you know, when on enlightenment, then his his he was he was his mind was purified. So then he the power that the Buddha had was to was through compassion or, you know, the uh, the sea of compassion or the of wisdom. Then so the Buddha used wisdom and compassion uh, as a way of re- relating and and helping all sentient beings. And these were powers, but they were coming through uh, the pure, the human form, but the, the, there was no ego in it. There's no distortions, no, no uh, blockages. So that's why the, you know, the, uh, the, the Buddha Sasana, I mean, why it, why it has survived for 2,500 years and it's still in very pure form because of the Obviously, the the purity of the founder of the teaching, because it uh, he he had that power to to manifest the teaching, and set up a tradition that would empower people, would help people to realize that and to be free from the the distortions of their egos and the defilement. Where power, oftentimes now, is, is is seen as, you know, from the ego position, then it's power is really dangerous. The superpower, you know, it's the the Frankenstein monster. I mean, it's the you create, you know, with powers you create mon- you you create things that monsters that turn on you, that start chasing you. That's what's happening, isn't it? I mean, with with the pollution of the planet and the and the all the the problems of modern 
life or it's like because of the the the, the power that we've generated in the human through our human greed and curiosity without any kind of moral responsibility for it whatsoever no sense of, of moral duty or responsibility in regards to nuclear power or and this it's all been just anything's allowed in the name of empirical science no moral issues are completely kind of disregarded so then the result is that you create you you know you you increase the power maybe but you in the process it starts doing you it's turning on you you know you're you're destroying your home you think you know when we think of of uh you know, this is this is like the, the a lot of the uh, why Buddhism is so taken on by the green movements and the because it, it's very much a, uh, aware of the uh, of the uh, natural balances. And then, it, then there's power. And then, then if you're attached to power, then also there's tremendous fear because, say, you know that there's going to be somebody more powerful than you. So there's always this fear and suspicion. If you're attached to your power and your position, then there's always jealousy and fear that somebody's going to come along and and uh, take it away from you. And, and that is uh, so. It's a realm of you know. It's, a, it's the uh, what they call the Titanic realm, the yakas, the asuras, the kind of monstrous giants that are incredibly intelligent, but jealous and uh, and powerful. You know, in 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 the uh, art form, they're usually you know huge, kind of muscular uh, giant. Uh, forms that are green in color, and they're and in the, the relationship to the devas is they're absolutely, totally jealous of the deva realms. The devas are these kind of beautiful, kind of ethereal, lovely creatures that that play music and enjoy beauty and delight in beauty, and then these uh, asuras. Uh, or have a continuous war against these deva, trying to to take away their their beautiful things, <laughs> <laughs> and you can see that I mean, there's a mental state, you know how you <laughs> how jealousy is like that, isn't it? Where you you see some, you know, like the way people can be jealous of the rich, want, wanting to snatch their their wealth away from them or make them suffer. Like communism was a bit on the on the yucca side, wasn't it? You know, to to grab the wealth of of the rich, the the privileged, uh, snatch it away from them. The idea of distributing it, you know, as a the ideal was was you know the, was was good, but the actual intention was probably more on the level of of jealousy and wanting to destroy. 
those the 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 wealthy, the aristocratic, the privileged classes, and the uh, and anyone can see it in oneself how easy it is to to uh, to want to put down people who who are who you, who seem better off than you are. Or, or are better than you in many ways. <laughs> it's easy to, you know, you can see yourself wanting to kind of take snipes at them and put them down. <laughs> it's a part of all our our human experience. I think the modern superpower is a Ashura realm. Well, that's why with and metta and the sharing of of blessings, you're doing it to all these these realms. So the, the idea is is not to hate them, but to do things for the welfare, to not to increase the the power of the Asuras, but to to uh, do things for the welfare that the Asuras will be free from their suffering, because it's a very as a realm of great suffering. And the Deva realm is also impermanent, so it's unsatisfactory, even though it's it's all beautiful and pleasant in itself it it's impermanent so the stories about devas who've come to the end of their lifespan and they're kind of radiant lovely celestial creatures and suddenly they realize their their uh, their their span of time as a deva is over and they and they suddenly start shriveling up and looking depressed and suffering because they know that they're going to have to leave this pleasant life and uh Maybe we're born in some lower realm. <laughs> so in the in the this is cosmology, so that that when we share the blessings with when, and when somebody's enlightened, then the devas rejoice because that's for their benefit. Every time a human being gets enlightened, it it's uh, of great benefit to the devas. For some reason or other, because they <laughs> they get they get they get really enthusiastic about it, and you you can see in the Namajaka Sutta when uh, when the uh, Buddha when Buddha recited his his uh, his uh, first sermon, and and Anya Kandanya Kandanya understood of the five disciples only Kandanya was the one that got it was enlightened on hearing the Buddha's sermon. And then you have this sequence of all these devas just going berserk with joy. <laughs> you know. And, but notice devas don't get enlightened. They 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 rejoice at at our enlightenment. 
So you oftentimes feel like like you're supported by devas in monastic life because people are very eager to help you get enlightened, help me get enlightened, but they won't do it themselves. born into the day realm and thought, oh no, not another 84,000 eons of this. In the scriptures, or what? <laughs> well, it's certainly, you know, a good reflection for us to see the, see the mental states that arise in regard to it. <laughs> A supa practice is is also very it leads to a sense of tranquility and dispassion. You know, like the seeing the 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 non beauty of the body. It's not rather than being depressing. It tends to take you to a state of dispassion, 
like in in uh, seeing uh, uh, contemplating skeletons or just you know the the asupa you know the thirty two parts of the body or in Thailand we could go see autopsies and like that in hospitals and 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 uh, the effect of it was uh, was a was a cool effect. It, I was quite surprised to see. Uh, the effect of watching, like a, uh, going to the Siri Raja Hospital in Bangkok uh, on, on a Monday after a weekend where they usually have, you know, they, this is where they kind of murders and things like that end up in this hospital. And so you'd go and you could see some really gory things. And, the, and the, they'd be, you know, autopsying these, these corpses and the the doctors always quite willing that the monks could could watch this and uh, at first you one feels repelled by it you know the smell and the sight and all that because you you it's quite grotesque and in and unpleasant in, as a sense experience but then as you concentrate on it you you begin to you get over that initial up, up, Repulsion, and you begin to take an interest in it, and and uh, you, you you it's very easy for us to see when they're dissecting a human body that to relate it to our own body. Very. And and after that, then one time I. I saw this uh, rotting corpse. One time I went into the Sri husband and man said, oh, we've got a rotting corpse for you today. <laughs> Some, somebody that they found in floating in one of the canals and for several days. And so that was interesting to see the, the, um, the you know, because it was putrefying and one, the smell, the odor was, was uh, hor- horrendous. But, but the actual, once you got over the initial aversion, I was really, I really found it quite a marvel to see the the decaying process taking place. And uh, and uh, then I, when I left the hospital, I felt really calm. And I looked looked at people around me. And they all, there was absolutely no attraction. <laughs> No sense of anyone being attractive. They completely destroy that the allure, the glamour of the human state. And then you cross the river, the Chavhi River, over to the other side of Bangkok, and they have all these uh, kind of food stalls with all this meat hanging on hooks, <laughs> and you have absolutely no desire to ever eat meat again, because it looks just like this stuff you'd seen in the, being cut up. In the but I found that the, the, the sense wasn't, wasn't depressing, but, but calming. So note also that the, that the, we go to what is natural, what is Dhamma, then it tends to calm us down. Like the breath is, 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 is natural. It's not, it's not man-made, it's not vanity, it's not our creation.
so and or the Buddha would would off, would advise monks to go off to the forest. And when you look at the trees or the sky or the listen to the fall the waterfall or things like this, you, these calm the mind, human mind. When we when we contemplate our own body as a natural thing, the the contemplation of the body will take us to calm and dispassion. Where when we just see our body through vanity, then it, we tend to get averse or get, you know, it, we get excited or averse or some kind of extreme emotional reaction. Not calm comes from vanity, but from, but through this, uh, through through seeing the, the the naturalness of it, nature itself. Then, as we relate to that, have that relationship with nature without the ego, then the, the result is, is a sense of calm, peaceful, serenity. That's why I like to see, contemplate the body here as just a part of nature, rather than as, as my body. When I do that, then the body, you see, is something that you begin to respect and you can use as an object for, for contemplation and for calming the mind. Like when you, when you contemplate, then you, you do that kind of sweeping practice of the sensations of the body and you, you go through the body mentally. It's very calming and relaxing to the body. The thing, the the note also the tendency to want to find out an ultimate. Uh, like, who is it that knows? Is a is a desire to know the one who knows, or is there a God? It, does God exist or not? Or is there a God? Or in the, so that this 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 desire to to you know what if if the five khandas are all anicca dukkanata then what is it that can observe them is it consciousness observing consciousness or is it Buddha observing I mean there's a desire to put it into some some uh, some form of of a, of a, to put it into a a, a, a metaphysical uh, w- arrangement in the mind but uh, in the Theravada school there's it, it, almost a total resistance to do that and uh, and sometimes you you wonder why but in the you see it's it's mainly because of the practicality of it that that the the, uh, the the practical result of relinquishment without holding on to even a, a concept of the ultimate, so that your 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 relinquishing is done not through through holding on to anything, but 
for its own sake. So it's not like denying God. We're not we're not saying there there's no God, or there is, because that's not really the it's not important to know that there is or isn't. It was saying, well, th- this is the way it is, as we can observe within the limits of our own human state. And then the, the, uh, the aim is the realization of deathless reality. See, so, so the, the, this, this whole way of thinking about oneself and the ego tends to, tends to uh, give us a perception of ourselves always as, as a very separate thing, kind of alienated thing in nature, a sense of a- loneliness and uh, because of the, the way we think and, and conceive the world around us. And then as, as you break through those, those ha- habitual and conditioned perceptions, more and more there's the intuitive realization of the arising and ceasing of conditions. And you, you realize, actually nobody's ever born or dies. There's bodies that are born, things that comic formations and that come and arise and cease, but but uh, it's it's uh, it's not any it's not what we we really think it is like a, a kind of ongoing soul or person personality or you know something separate that is uh, eternal or that it's. Uh, it's uh, because that's, that's not how sometimes how we we think or or uh, talk, perceive it, or and because of that, there's also a desire to annihilate. To you know, like some uh, some people would like to have just total oblivion. Death is a kind of total uh, uh, experience of oblivion, total annihilation. And uh, but it, this is where. It's not that, and it's not it's not the, uh, an eternal soul, a separate soul that goes on forever. But it's it's a realization. It's an ineffable reality that is through, that you realize, but you can't realize it through grasping anything. You can only realize through non-grasping. So then you. You you begin to sense this, the, that this universe we're in is 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 a is a is a miracle in itself, in the, in, the, in from the limitations of our own uh, perspective on it as, a, as an individual human, and so it uh, and so when one begins to to kind of open to it. And its miracles, rather than to 
be frightened by the mystery or the vastness or the seeming helplessness of our of our, our own helplessness within it. Like in, on a personal level, it's rather frightening. When you think of, you know, the power of this universe and you, you know, you look out into the night sky and you see, you know, all that vastness in, with stars. And, and these must be, you know, like suns and, and, and they go on and on and millions of them. And, and uh, here we are, here I am, just this little soft-skinned little creature, you know, sitting here, standing here, looking up at all this, it's overwhelming, it's frightening, when you think about it, and as yourself as being this, this very vulnerable, soft-skinned uh, thing, it's, it's like, it has a no significance to that vastness. You know, if this thing just died, it'd be of no importance to all those stars or anything else, you know. It, you know, and and so one one as a person, as, as you identify with with yourself as the body and this personality, then there's a lot to be frightened of because because there is we're very vulnerable and and we're in a in a such an incredible universe that that we can't understand in the terms that we want to in personal terms. So we. We tend to shut it out, you know, get busy with watching television and eating and gossiping and worrying about what the pound is doing. <laughs> we gotta keep ourselves occupied with with worldly things because because it's uh, frightening to think about it and a death and, and the mystery of death. But in in the realization of Dhamma, then this is this is just another one of the miracles, and one isn't no longer perceiving yourself as being this anymore. This body, and that you don't, you know, it's you're not looking at it in that in the way of a self anymore. So one, one you can see is that being born like this gives us this chance to reflect and contemplate. That's our humanity, isn't it? We can contemplate our own existence. We, can, we can't be God, but we can be human, which is we can learn from the, from the humanity of our existence. So it's like, that's why being human is important, the humanness of our lives. And, the, and in this sense, the humanness is, is not like, like general people say, well, I'm only human, which justifies our weaknesses. But in, in the sense of our humanity being the, this reflective consciousness, intelligence, and, the, and being mindful, and our ability to be virtuous, to choose virtue over vice, or morality, or, or right action against wrong action. We, and our ability to care about things, to protect uh, innocent or helpless beings, or to spread metta or things like this. This is our humanity. We take it, you know, that, that our this is our this is a good the, the good. This is the the blessings of our human state. So that that when we 
appreciate our own humanity. We respect it. We respect, and we see that in all the human beings. And then you feel this tremendous sadness when you see such a total waste of human beings going on, like now, just the slaughter of useless slaughter and and uh, of of human beings. When you see the potential there, the 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 uh, the in, for enlightenment, and then you see how how easily human beings can be just <laughs> discarded or trashed. So it's, it's uh, to, to uh, respect this human state and, and to respect humanity in general. No matter what they're doing, we still recognize we all have a common humanity. And that needs to be, to, to be, uh, to be brought forth more. To, we need to remind ourselves of this because it's so easy to take sides against things and then and then we do inhuman things like you know like wanting to to destroy the you know what they did to to Baghdad and the kind of willingness to to just sacrifice human beings uh, in the name of uh, righteousness Justice, or the the uh, you know the all the the uh, you hear about all these street children and children you know in the Brazil and that that are just this kind of left to run wild and nobody wants them. And when you start seeing them, is you know, and then these these policemen go through the streets, kind of shooting them down, to, like. Rats, you know, you're just kind of just vermin that you're trying to get rid of. But in in this this way of looking, you you see the 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 Buddha in in everyone or that that potential, and I think that's uh, important to to look at each other in that way to try to use that perception more because we give too much importance to whether we like somebody or agree with them or get along with them. You know, we're so reactive to each other. And uh, it's, and, and because of that, we, we forget the, hum, the common humanity. And that's where old age, sickness, and death is our, com, is our common human, everyone. Rich or poor, good or bad, gets old, gets sick, and dies. We all suffer from from loss of the loved or having to be with the unloved. And that all human beings, all of us, it's a common, a common human experience of suffering. When you when you contemplate that, you feel, you know, you couldn't kill anyone. To to get some to want to make us want to kill somebody, we have to think that the enemy is a evil monster, and and we're doing the world a favor by killing them. But when we think of them as they get old, get sick, and die, and they have they suffer from the loss of the loved or the having to be the unloved, then 
you don't get the same emotional reaction. You know, the sense of when you're self-righteous in protecting your side from the evil forces, then then that that kind of warrior mentality comes out. You know, where you're kind of cut down, destroy the enemy that wants to destroy your country or your family. And that's uh, that's one level of human endeavor, you know, that that also has a noble side. The, the old example of warriors were protectors. But now war has not become. It's no longer that simple, is it? It's very corrupt and dirty. Uh, and there's no there's no there's no black and white. There's no knights in shining armor. There's no there's no uh, evil forces wearing black uh, helmets. Uh, you know, it's not, not where, you know, everybody's involved in dirty corruption. <laughs> and, and the innocent are what get killed. You know, the people that are standing there trying to avoid it, the bombs. <laughs> So, so those days are gone, you know, that, that type of period is over. And now, say, in, in terms of, of uh, perceiving the world now in, in this more this, like these New Age concepts, Aquarian concepts are quite skillful, because you, you see the, the earth now is small, it's not big anymore. Where it used to be big, it's not. And uh, there's no place to go to get away from any of it, because we're aware that that whatever you do to the planet, it affects everything. So it's not like the old days where you think you could get away with something by dropping atomic bombs on Japan that you, because it was so far away, it didn't matter. <laughs> because suddenly we feel very close to to Japan or to you know, Siberia or wherever, where where the planet isn't, you know, it's small and and so we we're becoming more aware of, of it as a as a whole thing in our how to relate to it as an individual human being on one level. And how to relate to ourselves and the planet we live on in terms of Dhamma. And to then to to take that to the relinquishment and realization of non-grasping. So then, to me, the potential for humanity is as like vehicles for. I mean, we can be like vehicles of loving kindness, compassion, joyfulness. We can bring. We can. We can be vehicles of joy on this planet the joyousness of a human being or compassion. And you can see the Dalai Lama and why people are so so fascinated by him. Uh, and, you know, most of the people are not even Buddhists. They go to his talk. I could care less about Buddhism, but, but because of he's a joyful person, individual, who's 
who's uh, been through all all the kinds of suffering and and he, and he represents a, and that we long to see a living example have have one before your eyes some somebody like that we need we need saints rather than rock stars <laughs> And uh, we, you know, the Dalai Lama is fulfilling that need very much now in in the West because uh, he he himself is a is a living example of a vehicle, a, 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 a physical vehicle for compassion, metta, and compassion and joy. So you can see that, I mean, you can get fooled by being titled Dalai Lama because that makes him kind of special. But don't let that, because when, when you ask the Dalai Lama about being Dalai Lama, he says, it doesn't matter, it's of no importance. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's, it's Tibetan, it's a Tibetan culture. So I mean, he says, he, I'm, he says I'm just an ordinary Buddhist monk. That's how he sees himself, not as a, as a living God. And you know, how they, they, in the West, they've they've built him up as this living God from Tibet, and as a kind of, you know, the the way one wants to, what can 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 use titles and be impressed and and see and exalt them to a point where you worship them. You potheosize them and then you worship them, but you but you can't do it yourself. Well, the Buddha was saying instead of worshiping this Buddha that you put on a pedestal and bow down to, you do it yourself. Like the Four Noble Truths are about us; they're not about what Gotama Buddha did two thousand five hundred years ago. That was so absolutely marvelous that we have to just like devas rejoice in it, and but not be able to do it. And it's it's uh, this is where it's uh, one of the aggravations of of in Asia because a lot of Asian monks will say you can't you can't become enlightened anymore the the the, the that that period of time is over that's that's not true maybe that's what they think and they'll probably never get enlightened because of that <laughs> but that's their problem. <laughs> But the, the Four Noble Truths is, are, uh, you know, it's about everything in this, in this form that we're in as a, as a human individual on planet Earth. And, and so it's, it's not just a, you know, a, a kind of special uh, uh, academic uh, Type of teaching, it's 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 you apply it, you work that you you use it in, in through reflections to be able to 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 uh, realize those truths, know them yourself rather than than just uh, talk about them from uh, in an abstract way.
Well, it wasn't. I mean, it, it was just a kind of reception where I was one of many. So I didn't have anything to say. I just was there. And, uh, but that's very nice, just to be there. <laughs> I quite, I mean, I met him many times before. But, uh, and he remembers me, I'm surprised. <laughs> but, uh, It's, I, we're very fortunate in having, uh, in the Buddhist world, having him, because he, he is highly regarded, and and he and he deserves it. I mean, he's not a, not a, you know, he's not a, a false one. He's a genuine thing, and uh, and uh, he he's also has such a wide view. That on like interfaith meetings, he's it's it's the the Dalai Lama can embrace all religions. He, I mean, this is one thing about Dhamma. You see, it's a, it includes all religions. You can see the Dhamma of Christianity or Islam or Judaism, things like that. It's it's not the the Buddha put his teaching on the on this kind of wide universal perspective paradigms. Which include every other convention in them. So, I mean, you're talking about the relationship of the condition to the unconditioned, and the impermanence of the condition. So, I mean, these these are these aren't uh, you know. So you, you can apply this to any other religion. And so you you can you know you, in that way that you don't like Buddhists. We don't find problems with interfaith. Or, or with uh, unless you're particularly gotten very attached, very, very kind of rigid views about Buddha Dhamma. But if you're really using the Four Noble Truths to let go and not be attached, then, then one can rejoice in the goodness of other religions, or, and one can can see beyond just the mere. Uh, Surf superficial view of them, or, or one's own maybe cultural bias. So it's strange because you, you realize you don't really become a Buddhist. You, not like it doesn't work in the same way. Like you, you talk about converting to Buddhism and. Never feel you don't feel that's really a very accurate description of what has happened. It's not like you, you know, like taking on, dropping one religion and taking on another. Because the, uh, you're you're not trying to deny, the, it's a Christianity. And by becoming a Buddhist, I mean some do that, but it's not, not not the way it is as an actual realization. I've been talking about living sense. Is there a Buddhist equivalent 
through your life, putting in this great ocean of compassion into action, anywhere in the Buddhist world or anywhere in the world? Well, for one thing, the, the, what we, we, the first thing we need to do is to, to really purify the mind. Then things, things tend to happen, you know, that we find opportunities to, in, the, in the capacities that we have. Like one feels, you know, in the past 30 years or so, 40 years, it, one feels uh, that there has been a, a noticeable change in the world of, you know, where, where old forms, o- the old tyrannies are breaking down. And, and there's been, uh, since 1956, a, a noticeable increase of interest in, uh, in the West, in, in Eastern religions. And not just a, a, a trendy interest, but, a, but there's a real, like here in Britain, you feel there's a real interest in the practice of Buddha Dhamma. You know, and there's a willingness and there's ability now to understand it. Where say, 50 years ago, how many people could in the West could understand Buddhism? It just seemed, you know, nobody could could figure it out. And uh, because it, the mind was so conditioned by Western values and Christianity that that every time you started uh, talking about Buddhism, you had to, you're always fitting it into some category that. That was uh, that was from that per- way of perceiving, but now you've got people who actually practice and have and no longer perceive the world in such rigid ways and and uh, and you know intuitively respond to Buddha Dhamma from the from the Western side, not to mention from from Asia, where th- that was rare fifty years ago that Westerners. Whether could really un- comprehend Buddhism was was extremely rare, <laughs> and and now like you get uh, schools coming here, and students and that uh, you know there's a there's an openness. Britain now is a society that is. Uh, is religiously tolerant. So, I mean, you, there's a, a real openness here. Or say, un- several hundred years ago, we'd probably be put in prison. For teaching Buddhism in Hertfordshire. <laughs> In a, down on St. Margaret's Lane, there's a place called Covetous Corner, and where uh, there's a, there used to be a nunnery in the field next to Amravati, and uh, that farm over there, and and one of the nuns had some kind of love affair with one of the farmers, and they picked her up and she died of suffocation 
that was maybe what 500 years ago that's not very long ago now just think what would happen if we did that to one of our nuns Give you the Daily Mirror and all the rest of it. Ha, 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 ha.